Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. Very excited to have reoccurring guest on for this week's episode, Eric Mitchell. Eric Mitchell is a master coach for the Parisi Speed School. He owns his own Parisi Speed School in the Philadelphia area. And he's a guy that I've really looked up to for the last decade in my own coaching and am extremely honored, privileged, excited to share this conversation with you. Eric and I always talk about some amazing concepts. Eric is one of the best speakers that I've ever heard uh, as far as like presentation goes and just how engaging he is when he talks. I think you'll hear right from the start, his passion in this field is unmatched. It's a great conversation. So without further ado, on the other side of this amazing house intro music is Eric Mitchell. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. Super special tonight. We're joined for round three of Eric Mitchell. If you haven't listened to Eric Mitchell round one or round two, you got to go do that after this podcast. Still stick around for this one, but you got to listen to Eric Mitchell go round one. I think we talked a lot about storytelling, Eric, in round one. Either way, I think one was like big time speed and one was big time storytelling. I don't know the right order. Maybe you can fill it in, but we're much overdue for round three. I think first talked about speed. Yeah, we're we're overdue for round three. So, um, Mr. Mitchell, give us a little bit of a breakdown: who you are, what you do, where you do it, and why. Yeah. So, Casey, uh, I've been in this fitness industry now for thirty years outside the Philadelphia market um, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I've had a Parisi Speed School for the past fifteen years, and had a training for Warriors uh, for the past. I'd say nine years now. And my major goal is really to reach as many people in training as possible, whether it be kids or adults, to make impacts on their lives and create these incredible relationships that are really built from fitness, but really more focused on the dynamic of how to grow somebody to be positive in themselves and to believe in themselves. Uh, so for me, it's more of a journey of kind of motivation than anything else, not just fitness. We always say, and you know this, Casey and Parisi, our vehicles are speed, agility, power, strength, all those things that come together as performance-based training, but are really, our, our key is that the development of life skills. Uh, I have a 10-year-old son um, who is uh, really into Ninja Warrior, and it's going to start flag football and everything like that. And then um, I have an incredible girlfriend named Karen, who's been very supportive and helped me grow as an individual, um, not just, you know, in my coaching world, but in my entire life. So it's really incredible. Um, I've known you, Casey, for quite some time now. Uh, and as many years as I've been in the system, I, I look at you as a mentor on a lot of levels as well for me. And that's just, you know, over the years of listening to you and seeing the, the way that you address athletes and speak to athletes, I've taken a lot of what you've taught me and put it right back into my speed school. So you could say that I, I you know, I, my, my role more than anything else right now is to is to help as many people as I can just achieve what they want more than anything else in achieving their goals. Uh, I think that's me in a nutshell, I would say. For well, sure. I mean, we'll, we'll keep the, uh, we'll keep the, 
the heartfelt speeches to a minimum here, but I, I think I started our first podcast with this where I literally, I think I really first met you when I, in 2014, I was at the Parisi summit in Disney. Um, I was winning yes. coach of the year when I went in and sat on your, um, one of your presentations and I forget the title at the time, but you gave Football. this like, you gave this like, re- like unreal, like you took these like coaches through a session. You gave this unreal motivational speech. You finished it with, with your classic story time and it was just this electric presentation and it like i was like sitting there and i I thought i mean i was winning coach of the year i thought i was like hot shit i think i was like 24 and i at that moment was like i i suck like i'm not even close you know and i think like you said you've been coaching for 30 years i've been alive for 30 years and i think that at some point longevity just gives you the repetitions you need like the 10,000 hour rule with coaching doesn't really hold true like it's like the more hours you get you just always are getting better so it's a it's a privilege to have you on this podcast man I, i'm looking forward Thank to the you. conversation to ensue yeah me as well so for those that don't know what the three things is, is i've got three things not written out on a piece of paper but typed up on the notes app on my phone i've got three things to ask eric here he has no idea what i'm about to ask him it's, it's a purely candid conversation um, if you've listened to any of these podcasts before, you know, I'm not a big fan when people just sit on one side of the fence, so to speak. So I like to kind of just give three good questions and have a candid conversation around those topics. And, um, Eric's going to drop some serious nuggets along the way. Mr. Mitchell, are you ready for the first thing? Let's, let's go. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I think you're part of an elite club here of people who have coached longer than I've been alive. Um, which means you've kind of been through it all. Uh, and what I want to just ask you is like, what do you, what have you noticed is starting to come full circle in sports performance? Um, like what was something that maybe you used to do? It kind of went away and now it's making a comeback. Well, I actually think Casey, it, 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 what goes even deeper than that is I think that's, that systems has have really become really the key to everything that we're doing in fitness. But in sports performance, what happened was I think there was no systems in place for sports performance. So I actually think it's more that what people used to do, and me included because I did it, was you kind of just did what you were taught, whether at the collegiate level or the high school level, because there was no formalized education for sports performance. You lifted, you trained. I mean, I, I was, I was kind of cut my teeth on the Nautilus principle. There were systems in place in the Nautilus principle. And I think what started to happen was that people just kind of looked at sports performance and said, well, I'm just going to kind of throw stuff against the wall and see what works and see what applying principles of standard, I think, gym training to athletes, which it doesn't work. It, it's not going to work the way that you want it to. There had to be systems in place for sports performance that weren't there. So what I noticed is in the late 80s and early 90s, there were no systems and you couldn't codify anything. You just kind of put these workouts together and these training systems together that were not really codified and there wasn't a system to it whatsoever. So I actually don't think it's what people used to do. I would hope that nobody's doing that now where they are simply doing these workouts. I think that you're finally getting a, it's systematized now. It's really codified as to what we're trying to accomplish when you talk about linear speed you talk about multi-directional speed whether it be agility or change of direction and then when you're talking about strength how that strength training now comes to play in sports performance as opposed to simply going into the weight room and training as an, an everyday fitness person would so i actually think casey it's not like what was done in the past like i said i, I hope although 
the, the frustration I have in sports performance is that what people are doing is they're confusing uh, metabolic sessions with sports performance. So in a sense, maybe you could look at it like that and say that that's actually come full circle and things that people were doing in the past is now being repeated again. But I think what we finally as coaches have is a real system in place. And for the most part, I think if you were a really good coach at structuring and building programming and understand programming, then you can actually do sports performance the way it should have been done um, 20, 30 years ago. And that's why I said, like, if you think about it, even 20, even 20 years ago, people were still like literally just throwing crap against the wall and seeing what would work and just going on what their coaches did. I have to say, if I, if I followed exactly what my coaches did in college, I don't think I'd be in this career. I don't think I could do it because they literally didn't know what to do. It's taking 100 and 200 meter sprinters and treating them like middle distance runners because that's what they preferred to, to train them on. They had no formalized education, just years of kind of doing the same thing over and over again. There was no applications to what, what they were trying to do. So I would say the systems have really changed sports performance to make it real. Um, and I know I've seen what you've done. The same, the same principles apply for you. I, I just feel that that's what's happened in our business is that you, you finally have something that's, it's tangible. It's real. And that's yeah, where man. I would say, that's where I say it is. I definitely agree with that. That's actually, um, that's not really where I thought you would go with this. Like I thought you'd be like, well, there's this one thing that we used to do back in the day, but now we, we kind of do it again. Um, like I think of like, like when Bill first started like Parisi, sure. it was like 91 and like all the stuff that he's did then, like it, it, like, I feel like when I was working with you guys, like it was, they were like, yeah, we used to do this in like the early nineties and now it's just kind of come in full circle again. But I love the idea that you took this to like actual, like systemized sports performance training because sure. like, I mean, what, for context, what's the fastest hundred you've ever ran? Uh, 1056. Yeah. Like people listen to that. Like you want to talk about this dude is fast. So and, uh, well, whoa, fast whoa, guys whoa, talking whoa. speed. You're still fast. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you got new knees, man. You probably whooped my ass in a race. Casey, the thing I think the interesting thing I, I, that when you bring that up about what, what happened in the past, like, so I came in the pre system when they first started franchising in 05. Casey, if you looked at that in 2005, it would be diametrically different from the way we're teaching now. It was a, the regimentation of it was so different where, you know, you had to do all 33 exercises in the active dynamic warm-up. There was no deviation. There was no change. And it was, I would say the rigidity is what's changed. There's a, there's, I love this. There's a mobility now. I, I don't use the word flexibility. There's a mobility of our system that gives the coaches the ability to, to talk about the same things in acceleration and top speed and change of direction and multi-directional speed and strength, define it, but also not this rigidity of the same thing over and over again, because I think that we're also looking at a generation of kids who that rigidity would turn them off. They wouldn't do it. And in fact, like you talk about the adult programming that we do as well, the rigidity would turn people off. Now we have this ability to be more mobile in our, in our movements, not just the literal movements, but mobile and how we teach it. And that, like, I, I, I cut my teeth on very rigid structures that Parisi had. So I actually think you're talking about going full circle. It's actually blossomed out into something even better because it's not so rigid like a dinosaur would be. Yeah. It, it, that's, you know, 
that's this i think that's where i would think it has changed so much it's been like that's it was like that i first started in 2011 and it was like that it was like here's the 33 things you got to do before you right. can start actually training you're like well okay right um yeah you know like you, and that's kind of like I guess it kind of fell into the philosophy of like, these guys are way smarter than me. So if they say it, it's gotta be true. And then like, when you go and do it to the kids that are like 10, they're like, dude, really? Like I'm still warming up. It's been 35 minutes. Evolution. Yeah. I want to transition here. And this is like a hard transition to a completely different topic. That's why it's the three things. Um, You've been a gym owner for a long time what would you what advice would you give someone who wants to make the jump to gym ownership not what you would tell yourself not what you would tell yourself but like like i mean i came to you at one point was like hey eric i want to own my own gym like what would you tell me or, or like someone who wanted to like open who wants to open their own gym or maybe just open their own gym um within the last year yeah well obviously right now i would look at it and say make sure that you understand the purpose of why you're doing it and and understand what you are getting yourself into with this where the responsibilities change dramatically um, for a coach or a trainer that wants to own their own studio or their own speed school or their own gym itself whatever that might be Um, i would ask them why and to be very clear about a couple things one be very clear about the time and energy you're going to have to put into it. The stress would be number two. The stress, uh, I just did a whole thing at the Parisi Speed School uh, Summit on the fact that, you know, stress and lack of sleep will become, you know, some, some nasty bedfellows that you'll have to deal with all the time. And then understand the financial burden as well as to how that affects you and what, what changes. Because if you decide to be an owner of a gym, the responsibilities change with if you're going to bring employees on the role that the role that you have changes with the individuals that you're training there's a lot there's a myriad of other things that come about you've got landlords that you have to deal with now you have taxes that you have to deal with now so i would ver- be very cautious to say to a, a brand new uh, potential gym owner really kind of dig deep into what are you really doing it for you know, why are you really getting involved in at that level? Because, and Casey, you know this because you went through the process. It's not easy. And it's not a situation where you could snap your fingers and everything's great. You have a, a whole list and a whole litany of issues that start to come about. Now, what I don't want to do is this. I don't want to make it sound like it's a, it's a pessimistic thing. And, oh, you know, I, you know, I would tell somebody, don't do it. I would never say that. But I think you have to be very clear about what you want be very clear that our industry is not going to be chock full of multimillionaires at the gym or the boutique level um, and, and the fit or the fitness studio level. Can you make a great living? Sure you can, but the responsibilities change and you'll also find that your, your role changes dramatically. You were that go-to trainer. Everybody loved you and all this. Well, now you're an owner and the roles change slightly with kind of the interpretation and the, um, the expectations change a lot. So I, I would tell you, Casey, that it would just be a matter of be very, very clear about your goals. Oh, and here's the, the interesting, they're going to change. The interesting thing is they'll change as well. Your goals will change probably every single uh, year that you put behind you in that, in, that, in, that, in that gym itself. And Casey, by the way, I've switched three facilities under duress mostly. And uh, there are reasons why behind that but it's never extinguished my passion for what I do. Um, 
I will tell you that. And, and even this current situation hasn't extinguished my passion for the relationships I built. But as an owner, uh, things, things come up. Like right now I'm dealing with my employees. They're panicking. They don't know what to, what, how are we going to make money? And it's interesting right now, I, I don't have a lot of answers for them because I don't even know right now. But we're still keeping the connections and the relationships we have that we know that we can recover and come out of this. But just be clear. Uh, for any young coach or young trainer out there, just be clear about what you want. Oh, and by the way, if you want my advice, you, okay, I mean, I'm very happy to provide my, even my cell phone number to you guys so that you can call me anytime and talk to me about what you want to do and your goals and your needs. Yeah, we'll make sure that your contact information is definitely in the show notes because guys, like, like I was the, the young business owner. I think I was 26, turning 27 mm -hmm. when I was kind of trying to make the jump to opening my own gym. And, and honestly, it was like the worst year of my life. Um, and I would consider myself probably more prepared than most um, educationally, financially, like in a position to, to, to probably be successful. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It kind of fell apart for different reasons on my end. It wasn't ever anything. It was more logistics than operationals. Um, maybe someday I'll do a pod on, on how I've kind of messed that up. But, um, but that's kind of where like going in blind, like you don't know. And then all of a sudden you get zoned by a, by a towning zone administrator and you're, and you get screwed royally. And you're like, Oh wait, I don't actually know anyone in this area. And they're trying to just basically make it so I can't open my own gym. Um, again, podcast for a different time. But what Eric sure. just said, like if you're a young trainer, or if you're a trainer looking to make that jump to ownership, you should definitely rewind like 15 minutes and just like re-listen to what Eric just said, because that's something that I wish someone had told me when I was 26 and no one told me. And, uh, it was almost really bad for me. So um, I appreciate you sharing that insight, man, because I think you're sure. probably going to help a lot of people with that nugget right there. I hope so. And this is the last thing. And I'm really, I'm, I'm ex this is the most, I'm most excited to hear your answer for this question, Eric. Uh, define the word resilience. Mm. Wow. So I would say that res resilience is really understanding that, Whenever there's a, there's a situation that comes about that's difficult, whenever there is a obstacle, I like to believe that obstacles are built to be either climbed over, gone around, gone under, or gone through. And the resilience would come from, the, 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 the word would be really that no matter what the circumstances are, that you're always going to be making sure that your moral compass is in the right spot no matter what happens that no matter what comes about, whether it be a virus or a downturn in the economy or a situation where a family member's sick, whatever it might be, is that no matter how much fear you have, no matter how frightened you are of what's going on, you're gonna always point yourself and your moral compass in the right direction, no matter what. And not making sure that your values are never compromised with that situation. And I would say that that, to me, that's one of the, the, the trademarks of being, not only being a, a great coach, but also being a great human being, being, having the ability to overcome obstacles that are put in your way. And like I said, obstacles are designed to be climbed over, gone around, gone through, or gone under. And here's what's gonna happen. No matter what, you're always gonna have these obstacles thrown at you. 
It's the reaction you have to that obstacle. It's that reaction that you have to what's in front of you that creates resiliency. And I'm seeing it right now. I can tell you, Casey, I'm seeing resiliency um, not just in, like, for instance, my coaches. I'm seeing resiliency in my members uh, in Parisi and my students in TFW where I'm watching what they do and that in, the, in this adverse situation, they're not allowing any of these obstacles to get in their way. They're doing everything they can to do exactly what I said is point their moral compass in the right direction and do all the things necessary to go, I'm going to say it again, go over it, go around it, go through it or go under it. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's never going to end. It never stops. That's what we said. Like when you're talking about things coming full circle, the moment you clear one set of obstacles, more will come up. Another way I would say that resiliency is, is that don't compromise your goals. Don't compromise the things that you set forth that mean something to you. So whatever your passion is, that, that, that no matter what comes in, in, in the face of that, of, of that passion, that you never stop going for that goal and you never stop going for that passion. You never stop going for the ideals that you're trying to set up. Man, I think resiliency boils down to like, well, what's in here? What's in your heart? Will you continue going when everything seems like it's not going the way it should? And you know, I tell you, Casey, um, I had my panic moment when I sat down and thought, okay, we're shutting down. Never seen this before. I was telling my staff, I, I was, I'm old enough that in 1973, I sat with my parents in gas lines. I was five years old, sitting on odd even days to get gas when we had a oil embargo going on. That's the closest to what we're dealing with right now in terms of shutdown. And that's not even nearly as close to what we're dealing with right now. What I'm seeing is this, for me, it, for me, it's an incredible level of resiliency for me to be vulnerable and allow me to be, to say to my staff and to say to my people, hey, guys, I don't know where we're going yet, but I'm going to tell you right now, I am always here for you. I will always be here for anybody that asks for help. Man, that's resiliency. When you make a commitment to others and you make a commitment to make others better and you love them more than sometimes you love yourself, then you create these incredible bonds that are going to push you through any kind of obstacle. That's just kind of my thought. That's probably the most electric answer I think I've ever gotten on this podcast to any question. Um, I'm contemplating running through the sheet walk wall that's like right there. I, I think I could probably get right through it. Um, it stairs on the other side, so I know I come out okay. Um, no, Eric, but I think like one thing that you just said, I don't want it to get overshadowed because it was a really good answer, but like obstacles always come. Like, yeah. like, God, like I can think over like the last just two years, like, and you just any really almost like the last like decade plus that I've been out of college, like in this quote unquote, like working world of fitness, sure. everything, every year there's been an obstacle, whether it be shitty management, um, shitty coworkers, shitty clients, um, shitty competition, you know, like just like, just, just sh I'm being shitty, like because of all of it, you know, and like affecting the people around me negative, like just like obstacles always come. And if you can just continuously utilize the resources around you, if you can continuously identify like the key people in your life and your network that you can lean on. And like you said, ask for help. Like that's, that's resiliency. Like it's the actions you take. It's not like, 
it's continual actions. It's not like one specific thing, but continual actions over time. Uh, that's what was really well said on your part. And I appreciate you, you sharing that. Absolutely. Um, so now Mr. Mitchell, this is, and I don't know if we did this on the last two pods you were on, but now it's the speed round. I, I've uh, never done this with you, Oh so. God. The speed <laughs> round is just electric. The speed round is electric. So if you, if you like have been listening to this because it's, was educational and like the nuggets are pure gold. Trust me, they're pure gold. This is now purely degenerate. Um, you oh, can, you can like just stop here. You've already listened. We've got your download. Life is good. Thank you for that. Um, but the speed round is just going to be a series of degenerate questions that Eric Wonderful. and I are now going to shoot the shit on. Um, and Eric questions or answers can be as long or as short, um, okay. as you'd like. You ready to rip? Yeah, man, let's go. Okay. So this one, this, this got a lot of heat in, in a, a podcast I did with Mike Baranis. power rank your Halloween candy. Just give me like your top three Halloween candy. Wow. Uh, t- so t- top five, top three, like, what do you look like for? top three, top five? Like you just give me like your, your top, your top Halloween candy. All right, dude, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Hershey bar guy. So that to me, that is number one, but it's got to be the big bars. It cannot be the little peewee mini bars. So the big bar, that's good. No, and, and it's, it can't have the peanuts or anything in it, anything like that. So it's got to be a big bar. Then you got number two, it's got to be plain M&Ms. And again, not those little crappy little tiny Halloween samplers. I want the big stuff. So that's number two. Number three, you're going to crack up when you hear this. Um, I like um, Almond Joy. <laughs> I no, I like those two. I like those two. That's not that's a totally respectable answer. Um I'm surprised you went almond joy when you like specifically like went plain Hershey bar, plain M&Ms and then it was like the poor opposite almond joy. Completely, but it's the almond joy. Yeah, no, that's that's a like it's like a, a sneaky dark horse right there. Um we're going to stick on the same notion of power ranking. Give me like your okay. top 3 Ben and Jerry's flavors. Oh. You're going to, uh, so, um, <laughs> I don't think I have ever eaten a Ben and Jerry's flavored ice cream. What? Ever. I, I, what? It's, it's not like I don't like ice cream, but I have never, I, I'm telling you, I have never had Ben and Jerry's in my You're life. the one person in the world. We found yeah. them guys, guys, everyone listening to this podcast right now. was just floored. We found them. The one dude. So, all right, I'll give you mine. Um, Fireweight, half baked, delicious tonight, dough, delicious fish food, delicious. Um, I'm a believer that marshmallow can be an ice cream. It's okay. Marshmallow can be an ice cream. So you're telling me to go. go out right now and buy it. I mean, you got a shelter in place starting. I would buy more than one, dude. I would buy I like eight. I, oh, it's I, so good. It's so good. Baked. It's Jeff Spicoli inspired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if you come up to Vermont, we're going to the Ben and Jerry's factory. Hell yeah. That's what we're, you, we you have to. Up. I will say, so So if, you, if you've never had Ben and Jerry's no, and you can go to the Ben and Jerry's factory – like you'll get the, the full tour, you get to watch the video and then you get the samples, you get the scoops and stuff like that's, if that's the first time you can have Ben and Jerry's, that'll be a pretty elite moment in your life. Let's do it. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> uh, how many more years is Ben Roethlisberger playing football? Two. Ooh, firm, yep. firm. Two Are you yeah. shook after seeing Tom Brady leave the Patriots? You think Big Ben plays for another team or does he end his career with the Steelers? He's Pittsburgh Steeler all the way. Yeah, no, okay. no question about it. I think, I think that's it. I think, I think that uh, – no, Brady, I'll tell you, I was talking to one of our uh, friends, Manny, 
when we were down in Florida, big Patriots fan. And I, I said to Manny, I said, man, that's got to be weird seeing, you know, Brady going to the Buccaneers. But I got a sneaky suspicion, Brady, that team's going to be pretty good down there in Tampa. Yeah, they're um, going to be nice Brady. for sure. Yeah. 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 Ben's, Ben's two years. I think he's done it. He'll retire as a Steeler. I think this is it. He's got the window. Let's see what he can do with this new – this defense is phenomenal. So we'll see what happens. Dude, Minka Fitzpatrick is – He's Beast. unreal. Best, Beast. best like, steal yep. trade, like, in the history of the NFL. Like, not in the history, but, like, one of them. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it was incredible. And him paired up, you know, T.J. Watt, you know, all that stuff. It's, it, it's a good team. It's a good it team. is. They need, it is. They need Ben back. Can't have Duck Devlin Hodges as a starting quarterback. But – but you're pro Duck though. He's nice. Duck oh, yeah. was nice. No, Duck was great, but he's he's not Ben. He's you better know, than Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph uh, is hot garbage. He's crap. Yeah. Those that don't know, Eric is is a. I'd say he. If we cut him open right now, he would bleed gold, and then there'd be like yeah. streams of black in there. Yeah. Um, yeah big Steelers. Big Steelers. Big Steelers fan. Um. Okay. So this has been like a favorite question of mine, mostly because I'm I work in a commercial gym. I have for the last twelve years. Um. Sure. And, and when I, even when I was in college, like I miss the commercial gym setting right now. Like I miss it. I'm a commercial gym truther. Who's your favorite, like what's your, who or what is your favorite gym personality? Um, I'll give you an example. I gave this on another podcast. Um, you know, like you're in the locker room, you're changing, whatever. There's a guy sitting on the bench and he's just sitting there breathing deeply and he's like panting almost. And he's just begging you to ask him how his workout was so yes. he can tell you how hard his workout was. Yeah. Like that guy is my dude. Um, I miss that guy and I will never take that guy for granted ever again. Yeah. But now what's your favorite? Well, I worked in a commercial gym for five years, a Nautilus gym. It's the person that screams during their, their workout. Yes. I would say that's the, my favorite one yes. person because they clearly want your attention, yes. you know, and, and when you don't give them their attention, but Casey, I got some funny stories. I caught someone smoking a cigarette on a Stairmaster. Uh, I caught a person clipping their toenails on a hammer strength. Um, I'm sorry, not a hammer strength, a leverage leg press, cutting his toenails. I had a woman spitting orange seeds out while she was doing the adductor adductor while she was eating an orange on that machine. Um, oh, I could tell you some other stories, but you know, that that's like, just those people should be like locked up in a cell next to Ted Bundy. They, like those are like yes. serial killers, man. They, they, should, be. they should be. And, and it's and it really like, it's, it was a beautiful gym, but I would say that that was the, 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 the best was the, the person that would scream during their training session. Love it was, and then by the way, like you'd be training them and they'd be doing that. You know, and so you just be it's so uncomfortable. But also, you know, I worked in, you know, super slow to failure. So Casey, I literally just stood there and counted for five years, basically. Literally like counted for five years, you know, one, two, three, you know, just kind of counting their reps. It two was more. One two more. more. You're doing hey, great. Good set. Right. You're ho <laughs> you're hoping you can jump out the window at some point, you know, because it was just so ridiculous. But yeah, there's some funny memories across the board, but that's the num that's the gym person I would say. Love that, love that. What was your favorite piece of equipment? Leverage leg press. Nice. By, by nice. far, the, right, right before they built the hammer strength stuff, it was one of the most difficult leg presses ever made, one of the most effective ones. Yep. Yeah, nice. I mean, I'm I we have some hammer strength pieces at our gym, and, and those things are like time tested. They're awesome, oh but they're, they're, um, I've never gotten to use any of the old Nautilus stuff. 
Like it's oh just, my God. it's yeah. I, that was like before my time completely. And like gyms always had like Cybex or Precore or yeah. something like that. And like, eh, it's just not the same. It's not. It's a different world. Um, so I will ask you this, like you've been to a lot of gyms. What's the coolest piece of machine that you've ever used? Or even like now, it can be like new technology or like, what's like the thought, the thing that you've used and you're like, this is pretty sick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I love the curve and the force mm-hmm. uh, as treadmills. I love those. I love the pit shark. I think they're pretty cool pieces of equipment. Um, but I would say that the, 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 the curve and the force have been my favorite pieces of equipment to work with. Um, Cause I've seen it, man, Casey, I've seen every single strength training equipment piece of equipment that I, I, I was, I got to use that, the hammer strength one. It was like a, you had to cl- look like an oil derrick, a leg press. You had to climb up into it. And it was like, you know, like, 11 feet tall is crazy exercises, but yeah, I'm actually pretty simple with that stuff. I, I, I wish we had things like that when I was, uh, you know, running track and everything like that, where I just think it's such a cool piece of equipment to, to work on your speed, you know, and that's what I like. That's yeah. what I would say. What about you? What's your favorite? Uh, I've always had an affinity. I've, I've only ever used it at the Newtown athletic club right near you. Oh, they yes. have like a full Kaiser setup. Um, with like Kaiser, like squat cages, they have yes. like the Kaiser squat yes. machine, the Kaiser yes. squat machine. I, I had never, I did just basically like messed around with that after uh, coaching service over there once and like 20 minutes of like different, like air eccentrics, like power concentrics with like no eccentric. I was destroyed the next day. Like that thing was just unreal. And it was like, so like in the moment doing it, like it's cause normally you do like any type of squat and you're like, or at least I'm just completely destroyed. And I feel like I left part of my soul. Like I walked out of there and I was like, nice. It was a pretty good workout. I woke up the next day and was like, what happened to me? And Steve, I was with Steve Leo and Steve was like, dude, you're like limping. Like what's wrong with you? And I was like, dude, 20 minutes on those Kaiser's air squats. Like I got destroyed and I've never, they're, they're definitely very pricey, but I've never seen them in another gym before. And shout out Newtown Athletic Club, Doug and Sean. Um, like that setup is just like, you could make some monsters out of like of the stuff that they have there. No question about it. Place is amazing. Country club without a golf course. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's exactly it. If anyone doesn't know, we're talking about Google Newtown, one word, Newtown Athletic Club. Yep. Um, and I believe that's in Pennsylvania. It is. It's in Newtown, PA. Right, right on like the New Jersey border, just a little yes. outside Philly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Super yeah. nice. <laughs> like bougie bougie very very bougie yeah super nice um my last question for you and this is kind of interesting yeah because to kind of get your your opinion on this where do you think like fitness or sports performance you can take it however you want where do you think the industry is going like what excites you about what's coming next well i I, what, what to me i think in sports performance especially i think what's exciting is is that they're starting to take science and bring it down to the layman's level and I think that's really what's really great is the advancements that we are going through, especially in the Parisi Speed School, Casey. I mean, you're starting to see this, this real serious scientific work that you can break down to a, a, to a level that, you know, the kids even could understand. So I think that that's what's happening in sports performances. We're, we're becoming, um, I think we're, we're taking science and really making those applications to make it more user friendly, I would say, because sometimes I think some of the scientific studies, and I've seen them, it was over, it overwhelmed me. I was like, I don't even know what is going on here, what they're talking about. In fitness, I think that there's some unique changes that are happening is that real coaching is 
real coaching is now being incorporated into fitness, not just trainers, but real coaching principles are being taken and put into place. And I actually think that sports performance is the reason that's happening now. So I think that what we're doing, you and I and the coaches in our system is, I think it's also starting to translate into say our adult fitness programs where you're really having a, a real, the real definition of what a coach really is. And I think that that's, it's so important for what we're trying to accomplish that it's not just working out anymore, man, you're, you're developing performance-based training, you're developing motivation, you're developing belief. And I, I now think it's, it, it's gotten to a, a level now that it, it, it makes me really happy to see that we're really starting to see what real coaching can do for lives. And that's what's to me, that's, that's, that's the direction that I see it going in. And I think it's the direction that it naturally has to go in, uh, in order for it to grow in, in any way. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that that's, um, like you're saying, like in the sports performance th- side, like, <clears throat> I don't want to say like wearables, but like high tech technology, yes. like being put in like almost like a like a simplistic wearable style. Um, I agree. we had, a, a we did a demo with, um, push like push bands, um, yep. the name of the company and like they we just had like the guy come down they're from Canada they came down and like set up like a demo for us and they had like basically it was like color-coded where like a kid would do like a set of three on a trap or deadlift and Chad would love this like they would just kind of like measure how fast the bar was moving like rate of force production and wow. and like the iPad or, or phone whatever you had would just show a color so like when a kid would do another set, like if a rep was within like a certain percentage of speed, it would, it would be green. But if a kid um, was too slow, it would flash red. So they would know to go faster for the next rep or for the next set. So instead of like telling them like a percentage or like time, it just was like, it did the math for them. And it was like green, you're good. Red, like you got to go faster. And basically it was like the kid knew like, I need to get green. Cause if I don't, I'm going to get red. So he would try harder and it would get the effort out of the kid. It was actually, it was really cool. It was really simplistic. Um, because the technology, like you're saying, like the high tech technology was like dumbed down for a dude coaching a 14 year old on a trap bar deadlift. Like it was perfect. Like, right. Cause I'm always super skeptical. That. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. Um, and you can like wear it too. Like you can just like strap it to a kid's arm or like a kid's leg. So if you wanted to measure like, like the lower leg hitting the ground, like you could put it on a kid's shin and like right. actually specifically measure that part of the body. Or if you want to measure like arm swing, you could do that. They had like a whole bunch of stuff, but I was just impressed with the simplicity behind it. Um, push band. This is a, an ad free podcast, but th- that don't get a kickback on any of that stuff. Um, we actually like, it was very expensive. We didn't buy any cause it was really expensive. Um, okay. it was about the same price of a, for the price of like a woodway curve. So like six grand would get you like, that would get you, I think it was like 10 bands for like a team. Wow. So, uh, and I, I was, I was a couple, it was probably 18 months ago. Um, okay. and then, yeah, like in fitness, like you're saying, like coaching, like, and like the, what it can do like mentally, like mental health and fitness, like that's huge it's huge what what science is coming out now and like how a coach can help drive that for someone huge well that's why i think that you know that's like you said like with mental health and everything i think that's the trend that's happening is is that we're we're moving into a whole new realm of Mm -hmm. how to how to basically build emotional strength in people that we never did before so that's pretty exciting 
Actually. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, Mr. Mitchell, yes, sir. this was one hell of a podcast, dude. This was great. I have no oh, idea when it's going up. I've got like six or seven different pods now, but right. um, the three things is rejuvenated and I, uh, I appreciate you being a part of it, dude. Well, let me tell you, Casey, I've always believed in the three things podcast and it, it, it saddened me and I understood why. I mean, you had a new child and everything like that. It really saddened me and upset me when you weren't doing it. And I, I looked forward to always listening to your podcast with every single, and the, just the interaction you have. You're an outstanding coach, Casey. And uh, these, these podcasts are valuable for people. I appreciate it, man. It's yeah, back, man. baby. Corona shut down 2020, bringing back the three things. <laughs> That's right, man. We'll Let's find some good time. in it. We're going to find some good in it. Yes, All right, sir. man. I appreciate you. Appreciate